Morning, everyone. Good to see a lovely crowd. Everybody looking all spiffy. Excited uh, for holiday weekend coming up. Uh, get time away from work and to be able to spend time with family. Family's always important. Amen. Uh, spent the uh, past week. Uh, thank you, Dusty, for preaching last weekend, and I listened online. Awesome word uh, from God for Bethesda as a church. I'm so thankful as a pastor that uh, we've got so many people that fill in, and it's just like uh, whenever Leslie and I or Dusty and Albie misses, everybody just picks up slack, and everything keeps right on carrying on. It's awesome to know that as pastor. It's comforting to know that we've got a, a wonderful team and a wonderful church, and thank God for all of you. Uh, as I was gone this past week, I studied for an exam, uh, important for my job, uh, certified welding inspector. It's the hardest test I ever took in my life. I had to spend seven, ten-hour days uh, preparing, and it was, <laughs> my brain hurt. <laughs> it was Friday. Uh, we practiced and done all this different stuff, and, and finally Friday we was taking the pretest, and, and it, it was like my whole front of my head was just numb, hurting from too much uh, information because I, <laughs> my brain is pretty little, so it got overextended pretty fast. And uh, I took the exam Saturday. It was six hours, three two-hour sessions, um, and left Chicago yesterday at about 3.30. Uh, drove home last night, got home about 11.30, and got up this morning and uh, come to church at uh, Vanceburg campus and now here. And just thankful for God for being able to allow us uh, to uh, experience him and know him and uh, Paul said I want to know him the power of his resurrection I want to know that I want to know God's powerful and he's with us in all things and and the message for today that I've prepared uh, uh, every November I, I, I sit down and I prepare the titles for the sermons not all the sermons but the titles for the sermons for the upcoming year I've been working on next year already and got several slots already filled and uh, I do it on a spreadsheet in Excel to help us get there but uh, today's message is entitled the all-seeing eye the all-seeing eye and it's the all-seeing eye of God so we put up the picture there from the back of uh, the dollar bill you can see uh, on the back of that dollar bill that there is an all-seeing eye pictured there uh, it was symbolic in a way that the founding fathers of America wanted to come up with a seal with a, uh, a, a picture to declare what they felt was happening when America was formed. And if you look at that pyramid, there is 13 levels of blocks coming up, building up the pyramid. But the capstone, the final capstone, was the all-seeing eye or that God looks over humanity. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, God looks over humanity. We need to believe that God sees and cares and understands what's going on in our lives. Amen? Amen. That he is an ever-present help in the time of trouble, the Bible says. But today we're going to take our message from 1 Chronicles chapter 16. 1 Chronicles chapter 16. I better get my notes out here. Oh, I got a note. To, that's a different note. Uh, Sister Joanne down at Vanceburg campus, uh, the wind blew her furnace out last night, or, or the pilot lied, and she came up with a message this morning. It was like, can you come and light my furnace today? So 
I got a note here. I got We got to remind ourselves to do that today. Get her uh, some heat going. Uh, first, Second Chronicles chapter sixteen, verse nine is what we're going to read. So, if you have your Bibles, please turn to there. If you got your cell phone, click over to Blue Letter Bible or Bible app, whatever Bible app you've got. If you've got your iPad with you, you can do that. Second uh, Chronicles sixteen, verse nine. Let's stand as we read. says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. In this you have done foolishly, therefore from now on you shall have wars. Then Asa was angry with the seer and put him in prison, for he was enraged at him because of this, and Asa oppressed some of the people at that time. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that you watch over us, that you care for us. Lord, we thank you for Bethesda, for all that you're equipping us to do. And Lord, we pray for your mission that you've given us. Lord, for our missionaries, for BGMC, all the things that we've done today. God, that would be uplifting to your kingdom, that it would build your kingdom throughout the earth, that you would be known amongst all the people groups of the world. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. The church says, Amen. Amen. So the all-seeing eye of God, and looking at this and preparing for this, thinking about this, there's three theological terms that uh, get thrown out in church all the time. The omnipotence of God, the omni-power of God, the, He is all-powerful, that God contains all the power of the heavens and the earth, that they're all at His dispense, and that power is His and His alone. It's not ours, it's His. And God is all-powerful. Look at your neighbor and say, God is all-powerful. That wasn't loud enough. I think you need to tell them because so, some of them don't believe it. Say, God is all-powerful. All He's all-powerful. He contains all power. And there's another word. It's the omni omniscience. It's the omniscience that God is all-knowing. Amen? How many believes God knows the best? He knows all. He knows everything. So look at your neighbor and say, God is all-knowing. Which one am I missing, Leslie? Omnipresent. The omnipresence of God, that he is everywhere present all the time. The omnipresence of God. Now, there's different stages of glory. So if you study through the Old Testament, ensure God is everywhere all the time. But in some places, in some seasons, in some regions, he puts himself forward in a greater way. Amen? The Bible talks about the Shekinah, the glory of God. And this uh, Shabbat, different, different things that the Bible declares and talks about the presence of God. The Bible says that he inhabits the praises of his people. Amen? So when we're in church, when we're having praise and worship, when we're listening to music, when we're doing these things, you, it doesn't just have to be at church. This is like being in your car driving down the road. I love driving to work on the way in the morning. A lot of times I'll listen to NPR. Sometimes I'll switch over to Joy FM, and I'll just listen to all of them, K-Love and all of them. i just switch around. And as we listen to those different things, sometimes the, the glory of God will fill the car where I'm at, and the tears will flow, and it feels like I've been at church right there in my car. Has anybody ever experienced that? If you've never experienced that, you should. You should drive down the road in your car and begin to praise God and thank Him for what He's done in your life and thank Him for what He's done. And when you're doing so, He will inhabit, amen, inhabit the praises of His people. 
inhabit the word, if you go back and look it up, it means that he sets a mailbox up outside of your house that he inhabits. He takes up residence there in that moment, in that season, in that place. And sure, he's always with us everywhere, but there's times we need him there in a stronger way. Can somebody say amen? amen. There is times in my life where that I need the God. I need the God of heaven to be ever-present with me in such a powerful way that it changes the situation I'm in. Amen. That where I know that he is there to help me, to be my help in that time of trouble. So God is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. And he is everywhere present all the time, but there are sometimes we need him greater. And as Bethesda as a church, we need God's power and presence here as a congregation. Amen? Because people come in, maybe you've had a good week, maybe you've seen miracles, maybe you've seen God just move mountains in your life, and you come in just full of joy, full of hope, full of the blessings of God, but you don't know that your neighbor sitting beside of you may have lost their job, their bank account is broke, and everything's wrong, and they come in with a heavy heart, and we can uplift each other. Amen. We need the presence and the power of God to be present in our church service. Can somebody say amen? amen? I want God present here with us during our church services. I don't want a place where that God's power can't be present. I want him to be able to move and to minister in our congregation. And as I think about that, there, look back through the Old Testament, there was a, a season where that the, the temple of God, they, they, they said that they should just write over the, the door of the temple and write the word Ichabod. The word Ichabod means the presence of God has left the building. That's scary. I hope and pray that we never have to put that no trespassing sign back on the door at this campus. Amen? Amen? That sign that's hanging right back there in the middle of that window, some people in this room don't know it, but in 2012, there was a group of people come in in their church service that morning. They walked out the door, and later that week, they come and they nailed that sign on the door, and they locked the door. Their foundation, the Nazarene Church, had closed the doors of the building. There was no pastor, nobody here, and nobody else came. That's Ichabod. That's saying the presence of God is no longer present in this building. But thanks be to God that God brings dead things back to life. Amen. Somebody say amen. Just like he did in my life, he brought me as a dead person back to life. And I thank God for that kind of power. Amen. That he transforms and brings renewal. And as I drove to work one morning and I, I began to think about as pastor of Bethesda, we was growing at Vanceburg campus and we looked at building and, and we had this building fund going. And, and we try to be a realist, but we try to have vision too. Amen. How many of you need both? Amen. You can't just live all on vision. You've got to have some realist part of you that looks and says, well, we can or can't do this. And we called the architects. They come down, and the architect come, and he said, okay, it's going to cost you about $450,000 to build the building you're wanting. <laughs> We'd saved up like $25,000. He said, okay, that might buy your prints. Okay. We're not going to be able to do this, right? It's just not possible. So as pastor, I began to worry about that and fret about that and think about that. And it was just all consuming me. And as I was driving to work, little did I know that God had prepared a place for us to meet here. Amen. And he had me to read books about multi-site and different things. And as I began to move and transition and go where God called me, not where I wanted to be. Amen. Amen. Sometimes we need to go where God calls us rather than what we want. Amen. And whenever we looked at that, we said, we're not spending $450,000 on a building. There's too many people hurting in our county and in our region and in our world for us to blow money on a building. Can somebody say amen? amen? 
whenever God had an empty building sitting here, and we went and talked to the people, and the long story short is they, they told us $60,000 you can have it. For this and the property across the street. $60,000. You know what it would cost to build this building? It would be $300,000 to build this building in today. And sure, it would be new and a little bit fancier and all that, but it would take $300,000 to build this building. We bought it for $60,000 because God allowed us to do so. Amen? But with God, all things are possible to them that believe, that trust God, that understands. And as I think about that, the power of God did this work that we're involved in right now. This is a miracle you're setting in. Three years ago, four years ago, nobody was coming here. And we came in and we, we bought this place for $60,000. We spent $15,000 that we had saved up and, and come in and painted all the walls and done all this work. And Jason and Amy came and helped us lay tile and just everybody come and just put their hands at, and clean windows and, and mopped and painted the floor. I remember Ernie down there with a the, with the roller rolling that paint on the floor, the stain on the floor of the basement. And, and if you've never been to the basement here, please go to the basement and look around. It's awesome what God has given us for minimal amount of money. Thank God for that. Amen. I'm grateful to God for that. But it's his all-seeing eye that God knows everything and where it's at, and he knows to position us in a place and get us to a, a, a frame of mind to where we can understand, yes, God can open that door. And it made my heart sick to walk up and look at this door that day because I'd attended church here when I was a kid to come here and sing one time with our church, Hilltop Tabernacle. And, and I remember this building, and I remember people sitting in here and them singing the praises of God. And feeling the presence of God. And now there's a no trespassing sign on the door. Things like that should hurt our heart as Christians. Amen? Amen. So as I thought about that, I don't want Ichabod ever to be written over the door of Bethesda. I want this to be a place where people can sense the presence of God. Amen? Amen? That they know that God is here to help you. So as we think about this story here, that Asa got mad because the seer, the prophet, come and told him, hey, God sees what you're doing, and God does not like it. See, sometimes we think we can get by with stuff, but little do we know that God sees and knows everything, and we cannot hide from him. The Bible even says in the last days, whenever the great tribulation happens, people's going to cry for rocks to cover them because they're going to hide from the presence of God. You cannot run from God. Amen. So today as we see this, that Asa, that the seer comes and talks to him and says, King, look, this is King David's great-great-grandson. It's King. King Asa, I love this, verse 9. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. There is something about being loyal to God, of being true to God, of surrendering to God. Can somebody say amen? Jason wants to be a pillar of the community. He always says it. A pillowcator. I don't know what that is. It's, that's what he named it himself. He came up with his own term. Anybody else ever create your own term, your own word? Jason made his own. What's to be a pillar of the community? The way to be a pillar of the community is be a godly Christian person. Amen. That people young and old look to and say their life is transformed by the power of God. And the God of heaven must be present because I know the old Jason. And that's not the Jason of today. Amen, Amy? 
The old Jason is not the current Jason. And there's multiple people that we can look around this room and see as we look at the people in this room. And, and, and I know the current Greg Hall is not the Greg Hall that I once knew. Amen. That there's, that there's a, a, a renewing, a refreshing, a strengthening of God in our lives. And I'm not the same person I once was. Amen. I'm not the same person I once was because God is continuing to work in my life. I'm grateful for that, ain't you? King Asa had come to this point that he had decided that I no longer want to trust God. I don't want to, want to have to worry about uh, uh, trusting in God. I'm going to do what I want to do. Anybody say amen? That's me. Sure, I want to trust God, but a lot of times I don't. Maybe I'm the only one. I want to trust God, but a lot of times I just don't. In reality. And as this picture's up here, I, this is the one sermon a year. I usually try to do one sermon a year to talk about stuff I don't want to because I've done a, a read or listened to a podcast one time and they said you need to talk about things you don't want to sometimes at church as pastor. Bible says in a multitude of counselors there's wisdom. Amen. I need to listen to outside sources to not just do what I want to do, but listen for help. So they say you gotta talk about money sometimes. Look at your neighbor and say, Oh no. Should have missed this Sunday. I should have waited till the next one, right? So this one, it's it's kindly about money, but it's about trust. Because that's really what it comes back to. So if you see this and it's coming the the little word up there and whatever that is, maybe Maybe you can help me, Greg or Darren, uh, one, I, I don't know. But it, that, that word actually is, is God is in control where he looks out for the, the, the welfare of humanity. Yeah, so he, he looks out on behalf of, and his all-seeing eye is that picture saying he cares for humanity, and he's going to set up form of government is what the founding fathers were saying, that God cares enough to give us a government that is for the people by the people. Amen? That God cares about that, that he did that intentionally, that God oversaw that, that we did undertake it, we did create it, we did fight the war, but that God was the one that established it. Amen? How many needs that kind of trust in your life? That sure, I can work, sure, I will do, sure, that I will perform, and I'll go and do the deeds God tells me to do, but it's really his doing because he's the one who empowered me to do so. Amen? So as this is happening, I was thinking about this money, and I thought, oh, no, I hate talking about money. This pastor, I don't like talking about it. That's, where, that's the reason Leslie talks about BGMC and all this stuff. I don't like talking about it during sermons. But the, the Bible talks about money a lot. Jesus talked about money a lot. So I have to talk about money because the Bible talks about money. Look at your name and say, I hate money. There wasn't very many people said it. What's the deal? <laughs> I hate money. I don't hate money. Uh, I hate what money does. Amen, because money corrupts and all that. So, so I begin to think about, well, well, does God know where every cent of heaven is? Does he know where every cent on the earth and knows where it's at? I begin to think about that and ponder about that, about money. How much does God care about money? And he cares about money because he tells us to be good stewards. Amen? Stewardship. Take care of your money. Take care of what I've given you. So does God steward his money of all the earth? Does he care about it and watch every cent the way he tells us to? Because a lot of times God tells us to do what he's already done. Amen? So I begin to think about it. Well, in Scripture, can anywhere can I find where God knows where money's at, the people don't know where it's at? Yeah. Jesus walking through one day, and the tax collector come over, and this wise guy, he's like, yeah, you ain't paid your taxes, fool. He's like, what? 
hey, Peter, go over and go fishing, and uh, you're going to pull up a big fish over there, and there's going to be a coin in its mouth. And take that coin and go pay my taxes. And by the way, just go ahead and pay yours too. Really? Matthew chapter 17. It's a real story. It really happened. It's not just something that the disciples conjured up after the fact. This is something that actually happened. That Jesus owed taxes, and he, he, had, he owed the government, and he said, you know what, I don't have any money with me right now because I ain't even got a place to lay my head. Jesus was homeless. That's what he said. I don't, the Son of Man don't even have a place to lay his head. And he said, Peter, just go over and go fishing, and there's going to be a coin at the bottom of that lake, the bottom of that river, and that fish is going to gobble it up, and when you pour him to the top, it's going to be in his mouth. You mean God knows where a lost coin is in the bottom of the water? How many knows God cares about money? Amen? So he, he even knew that. He paid his taxes. By the way, pay your own too. Wouldn't you like that? What if I could tell you today, hey, Craig, go over and go fishing. Get your river pole, go out there on the green dam and fling it out in the water, and you're going to pull up enough money to pay your taxes this year. Woo! I'm in. <laughs> Get my fishing pole, right? And I'm not going to go up there with some little flimsy little old Mickey Mouse pole. I'm going to get the big eight-foot rod with a two-foot handle, and I'm going to sling it. You know what I'm saying? I'm going, to, I'm going to be able to drag that sucker in to pay my taxes for the year. I want the real deal, right? What if that could happen? Should we be amazed when God supplies? <sighs> Let me say it again. Should we be amazed... When God supplies. I'm not. You know why? Because he always does. You know why? Because he is a supplier. <laughs> he is the one that supplies all your needs according to his riches in heaven, the Bible says. And why are we amazed and surprised when God supplies all the time? But see, sometimes there's comfort comes in our money, right? In our bank account. Talk about money. How many is more comfortable when your checking account's on a thousand versus when it's on zero? I want, I want to show hands. If, if you got a thousand dollars in your check account and you think, man, that feels comfortable, right? I, I like having a thousand in there. That's pretty cool. But then it goes down to zero. What? Here's what's awesome. I said this this morning, and I want to say it again because I've heard it said before. God doesn't want to get money to you. He wants to get money through you. Somebody say amen. God don't want to get money to you. He wants to get money through you. And I really believe that. My pastor brought me up and taught me how to pastor. And he said, whatever you do, Ben, make sure the church's books, the balance on the books is zero whenever the rapture takes place. He said, because I don't want to give any money to the enemy. Amen? Because the devil's going to take over after the rapture. Why would we want to leave a big bank account full of money for the enemy to take? So he says, use it. Do ministry. Do things. And I, I listen to my pastor, but I don't pastor like that. I'll just tell you right now. Bethesda is a church. I want you to know this year at Bethesda is the best financial year we've ever had in 2017. Amen? To God be the glory. It's not me, it's not you, it's us, and it's God doing it, overseeing it. It's all seeing eye gives us power and equips us to do. And we've done more ministry this year than we normally do in greater ways. And we've took it, not that we took in more money. There's actually less money this year than other years. But the deal is we've, we've watched and maintained and stewarded better than we ever have. We've had one month out of the whole year where we spent more 
than we took in. But for the year to date, we're, we're ahead by a couple thousand. Everybody say amen. amen. I love it when God supplies and gives us vision and gives us direction and lets us overcome and do things. So we do have a little bit of money in the bank. I'm not going to say that the church is broke. But am I comforted in knowing that or is that where my comfort lies? No. I don't care if our checkbook is zero. I trust God the same way I do if there's two or three thousand dollars in the bank. Somebody say amen. Because I remember a day when my mom would come home back in the 90s. I wasn't even saved. I was a lost hooligan heathen running around doing stupid stuff, drinking, spending, splurging, throwing money. And my mom coming home and her having a checkbook for Bethesda Church because her and two other ladies started this work. And they, she would have that checkbook out and, and I'd watch her and I'd talk to her and she had these little discs, you know, these little floppy discs back then in the computer up there and she was trying to do budget and spreadsheets. And there was times where that she would be up there praying and seeking God, praying that God would supply the need just to keep the lights on at the building because they were doing work. They had a youth group. They had things going. They was taking kids on trips like Dusty and Albie did. They was doing all this stuff and they needed the money. But they didn't worry about the money. They said, God will supply. They trusted. They believed. And I, I don't want to get away from that as a church, amen? I don't care how much money comes in the bank account or if we store up a little bit of money. There must be some reason. God must be giving us provision for a vision that he's going to give us, amen? I don't know. You, it don't, I don't understand everything. And I talked to the missionaries this year when we was in, and, and I, we haven't talked about this a lot, but, but one of the missionaries told me about something going on, and I was like, what if we could have a Bethesda campus in a third world country? See, my vision has always been, let's have five campuses. Because in Bethesda, in, in John chapter 4, if you read it, it says it had five colonnades, it had five porches. I always had that vision that God was going to tell us that we was going to have five of these campuses. But I've always been so nearsighted that I thought it was just around us right here. Maybe it's at South Shore. Maybe it's over this way. Maybe it's my home church out at Hilltop Tabernacle. I've had that thought. I think all these thoughts all the time. And it's just always so confined to what I think. But then God calls a missionary in and says, Ben, what if you could pastor a church on the other side of the world through technology? And what if I'm giving you resources now to do great things that you don't even know? Amen. God is so much bigger than us, church. And if we will trust God, we don't have to worry about all these things. The cares of this world don't confine me. Amen. Because I have to have trust. Money don't... You can't buy me love. <laughs> oh, I love it. Acts chapter 3. I love this story. Acts chapter 3. I told you guys a few weeks ago to, to go through and read and begin to study the book of Acts. I thank God that Dusty posted stuff on the Facebook account and he's helping us resources. And if you, Some people say, I just ain't got time, Pastor. I can't read a, a chapter a day. I don't have time. Okay, well, guess what? There's this thing called YouTube, and you can YouTube while you're driving to work. And somebody else will read it to you. That's what I've been doing. It's my extra study. I listen to YouTube on the way to work. Amen? So I'm reading through the book of Acts without even reading. How many, that's awesome, right? I don't have to read. Somebody else read for me. How, how awesome is that? So here it is, Acts chapter 3. I, I, was, I heard this, and as, as this was being read, it, it's Acts chapter 3. It's Peter and John, and they were going up to the temple, and they come into the temple, and some people come into church, and they can't give an offering, and, and sometimes we feel bad about that. Amen? I was sitting here today, and little Ann walked by, and he looked at me and stared me down, and I was sitting there, and I left my wallet at home this morning. I know that feeling. It's like, oh, man. 
thank God you, you can go on the internet. Our website's got a place you can donate online. Just saying, in case you didn't know. PayPal is there. You can do it if you want. So I can end. Sorry, brother. I'm gonna I'm gonna PayPal this week. I forgot my wallet. There's a way. There's if there's God, there's a way, right? If there's a will, there's a way. So this Acts chapter three, Peter and John going up to the temple, they ain't got no money. And as they're walking up, there's this beggar sitting there on the steps and he's, he always sits there and he sits there with his tin can and he rattles it and says alms alms can, can, do you have anything you can give me and Peter and John walked up the steps and Peter looks at him and says silver and gold have I none but such as I have I give unto thee amen sometimes people don't need your silver or your gold they need your time come on somebody the little widow ladies that's sitting around that don't have anybody ever come and visit them, that don't, they don't need your money. They need your time. To the orphans, to the, to the little ones, the little kids that's on the street in the Philippines that has nobody, they don't need your money. They need your time. Amen. They need a father figure in their life. They need somebody to come in and give them wisdom, to upbring them and let them know what God's Word teaches. They don't need our money. They need our time. Silver and gold, I ain't got any. But guess what? I do have something. And Peter says later in Peter, he says, you know, always be able to give an answer for the hope that is within you. <sighs> Can I tell you today, Jesus is the answer? Jesus is the answer of the world's problems, of the earth's problems, of humanity's problems. Jesus is the answer. Money's not the answer. If you don't believe me, go and look. How many bullets we buy every year and go around and have wars all over the world and it brings no results. Money is not the answer. But we're conditioned in our mind to think if I got money, well, I can, have, I can be happy. Amen? But can I tell you today, if God would drop a $500,000 check in your lap, would you go buy a Lamborghini? Everybody say, well, that'd make me happy. Driving up down the road in my red Lamborghini. Brandon's looking at me like he couldn't wait. Yeah, he's, he'd buy a big truck and put a welder in the back. Same thing. It's just your version. <laughs> but that Lamborghini would cause you worry. It wouldn't cause you happiness. Sure, you'd be happy while you're driving it and the new would wear off. And then next thing you know, you'd be pulling into Walmart parking lot to go in and get your Raymond noodles because you can't afford nothing else because you squandered the $500,000. Amen, somebody. And you park at the very end of the parking lot hoping nobody dinged it because then your insurance was so high that they're going to raise your insurance. It brings worry. Amen? Money brings worry. It don't bring happiness. Do you have to have money? Yeah. Is it better with a thousand in the bank than a zero? Yeah. But guess what? This week I was up in Chicago, out of town, which work paid for a lot of it and all that, but I was sitting up there and I began to think, you know, and I, I, I just pulled up our, our app on our phone, Leslie's got me where I can log in, and, and I logged in and we had 250 some dollars in our checking account. That makes me nervous. I get nervous, it gets below that, Greg, I go to freaking out. I've been at zero before too, I'm not saying that I've always had $250, I've been at zero a lot of times in my life. But I'm telling you, there's comfort thinking that money will sustain me. But guess what? It don't matter if there's zero or 500 million. If I don't have God, I don't have enough. 
Amen. I don't have enough because God is the God of heaven that will sustain me no matter what state I'm in. Therewith, I need to be content. Why? Because God's got this. Can somebody in this room say amen? God has got your problems. If you've got issues, if you've got concerns, if you're weighed down by the cares of this world, don't worry about money. Worry about God. Peter said, I ain't got no silver, I don't have no gold, but I got God, and he's enough. Amen. Get up, take up your bed, and go walk. You don't have to beg anymore. Amen. I'd rather have God, amen, than money. They could have given him two little coins and said, be on your way, sir. No, get up. God can transform your life. I'm here today to tell you and implore you and, and beg you and urge you as a pastor to say, money's not the fix of your problems. God is. We need to gain our trust in him. Amen. We need to put our trust in God, not our checkbook. Sure, I got $250 and I get worried. But guess what? It doesn't matter. One time my mom saved up. One time I had her run my checkbook for me and I had over $13,000 in my checking account. Me personally. It was for a down payment on the house that God allowed her to do that for me. So I know how to bound, Paul says, and I know how to be abased. Amen. I've had a little and I've had a lot. But guess what? God is always the one that sustains me. It's not money. Amen. Money doesn't matter to me. I could care less. My boss, he freaks out about it. He's not a Christian. And he comes to me sometimes and he says, How can you just up and quit a job and, and just go do whatever you want and act like it don't matter? And I, I just look at him and I'm like, God's got this. He don't understand that. That concept's not in his brain because he thinks if I hold up enough money, if I store up enough money, that it's going to get me through the hard times. I'm sure it will a little bit. I'm sure there's some wisdom in that. And Jesus even taught them, don't go build a house unless you've counted the cost. Amen? Stewardship is wisdom. I'm not telling you to be dumb. Because yeah. I pulled some dumb stuff. And I don't even want to get on them stories because we'll talk all day long whenever you talk about how dumb stuff I've done. God's got this. Can somebody say Amen. And sometimes there's people maybe in this room today that's thinking, man, I didn't come here to hear this. But I need it. I'm telling you, whatever state you're in, let the contentment set in and know that God will always sustain you. That God will always have your back. Ryan, it might be hard times. Don't worry, buddy. Laid off, don't matter. Amen? I've been on top and I've been on bottom. One thing I know is I've never been let down by God. Can somebody say amen? I've watched my mom pray over that checkbook and say, God, we can't make the electric bill this month if something don't happen. And this is back in the 90s, whenever this place was just starting, and she would cry and pray, and she would be always just, and then the next thing you know, it was just like a check would come out of the mail. Me and Leslie was down in Middlesboro one time, and we was pastoring that church down there, and we got to the point, and we moved down there with nothing, quit our jobs, and run out of unemployment. And I'm talking hard times. We was eating ramen noodles. Eight people sitting in the church with, with money. It took 20 some hundred dollars a month just to keep the church running. And one time we was there and no money had come in and it was during one of those hard seasons of life. And I was just thinking, oh God, what's going to happen? And Leslie always gives me these reports. Well, here's how much money's coming in and this and that and all that. And I, I just began to think, what, what's going to happen? Little did I know that God had a person that I went to church with in Raceland, Kentucky to get a big check in the mail. And he was saying, here, here's a $2,100, I believe it was, dollar check come in the mail that we didn't even know was coming. Somebody say, God can supply. Amen. God's got this. We don't have to worry, church. 
And I put that on a personal level. Don't worry about the foundations and, and creating that warmth and that comfort and saying, all is well. No matter where you're at, God's got it. No matter what state you're in, God's got it. Acts chapter 3, Peter and, Paul, Peter and John, we ain't got nothing. Everybody say, I've been there. One time I didn't even know it. Greg told me about it years later. I forgot all about it. I was working to shut down and had so much money coming in, I didn't know what to do with it. And I'd done dumb stuff back then. And I had a big check, Greg. And, and, and I went up Greg's and I sat there and I said, Greg, God put it on my heart. And I'm going to pay Morgan and Darren's tuition. I forgot all about it. It's just something I did. I just, here's the check, go and pay their tuition so they can go to school. I forgot all about it. And years later, Greg said, you remember that time you signed that check over? And I said, no. I didn't. I totally, totally forgot about it. It was a big deal to him because he didn't have the money to pay the tuition. But God used not money to me, but through me. Amen. I believe this with my whole heart. And it's happened multiple times in my life. One time, God got me this little car, and I was driving back and forth to work, and I thought, man, this is awesome. I love having a little gas car that's easy on gas, and I'm not driving my truck. It's not hard on gas. And I went down to church one night, and God said, give that pastor the keys. A car? Are you kidding me? But in those instances, for me, it's not a question. I just walked up to that pastor, and him... Thanks be to God that he equipped me to be able to do it. And I handed him the keys to that car. He said, Ben, you don't even know how much I've spent in the past two months on my car trying to get it just to make it to church. And he drove that car for years because God gave it to me for me to give to him. I don't care about money. I don't care about stuff. God's got this church. I don't have to worry. I don't have to fret. Why? Because I've got a big God. I don't have a big problem. I've got a big God. And I don't know what state you're in today, but I'm here to implore you to tell you God has got this in this place today. Acts chapter 4, after, after Peter and John says in Acts chapter 3, we ain't got nothing. God tells people, and they all begin to grow, and the church begins to flourish. In Acts chapter 4, it says that people begin to sell their excess land, and they brought the money into the church, and everybody had all things in common. How awesome is that? The end of Acts chapter 4, God had people to sell their excess stuff, and they brought the money in, and everybody had everything in common. I love that we live in a commonwealth. We don't live in the state of Kentucky. We live in the commonwealth of Kentucky. That's two totally different things. The state is something that takes. The commonwealth is something to make sure that it's all equal. There needs to be commonwealth in Kentucky. Amen? I care about the little widow. And I care that Sister Joanne loves me enough as pastor to come down to me at the church this morning and send that letter up and say, Pastor Ben, the wind blew my furnace out last night, the pilot light, and I need somebody to come and light it. Can you come and light it? I love that God's equipped me to be able to do that. I'm not bragging. I'm just telling you God gave me the ability to be able to do that. Amen. And I thank God that she trusts me enough as her pastor to say she don't worry about it. She don't sit back and freeze to death in her home and not tell nobody. She trusts enough to come and say, I can't, but you can because God did. Come on, somebody. We've got to have that kind of ability within our church that we take care of each other. Am I brother's keeper? Amen. 
Cain asked God that one time, and God asked him, where's Abel at? Well, I don't know. My brother's keeper. God's absolutely are, and his blood's crying out from the ground because you killed him with a rock. We are our brother's keeper. We are to take care of each other. We are to comfort one another. We're to be there and aid each other. And sometimes when God says, go over there and pay their tuition, just go do it. Don't worry about, well, that's going to take that much money on my bike. What am I going to do then? Don't worry about that. God's got this. Amen. In my past, in my present, and in my future, God has always got this. He don't change. Acts chapter 4, people sold their stuff. And then somebody said, well, that's a good idea. And I fire Acts chapter 5. They said, okay, everybody else is doing it. I want to do it. Be cool too. But they lied about how much they gave. The Bible said, read it, Acts chapter 5. They walked into church service that morning. Ananias got there first because the fire's always late. Come on, brothers. Oh, maybe, maybe, maybe it's the sisters. It's always dragging the guy around. I don't know. Amy, was it his fault or your fault? I don't know. It don't matter. Uh, Ananias gets there first. And he walks into church and he walks up there and says, Here, here's how much we're giving. And, and, and the spirit knew that it was a lie. And the Bible says he fell over dead. Anybody want to die at church today? First one up here dies. Anybody want to come on up? Not going to happen, right? So he dies. They carry him out to go bury him. A little bit later, his wife gets there. She comes in, and Peter asks her, Now, it's up to you. Sure, your husband ain't here. She don't know what's going on. And he asked her, How much did you sell the land for, and how much are you going to give God? She lies about it, falls over dead, too. What if we fell over dead every time we didn't trust God? What if it's not a physical death every time we lie to God, but it's a spiritual death? This is big. This is where trust comes in. There's a lot of stuff in money about in Scripture. 1 Timothy 6.10 is one that, this is what I love. This is my favorite. If, you want to, if anything about money, you want, to, you want to read about money in the Bible, uh, 1 Timothy 6.10, it says the love of money is the root of all evil. Amen? You probably all heard that. The love of money is the root of all evil. I don't love money because I don't care about money. I really don't. And if God tells me to give it away, I'll just give it away. It worries Leslie sometimes, don't it? She's a little more of a nester than I am. I, I really don't care. If missionaries comes in and God says, give them $1,000, that's what I do. I give it away a seven-day shutdown check one time during a missions conference that God said, sign the back of it and give it to the missionary because his wife needs a washer and a dryer. I'm just telling you this because I'm telling you, God has got my life. I could have kept that check, and it would have been spurged just like I spurged on everything else. Can somebody say amen? I'm pretty good at blowing this stuff. Why does it matter if God tells me to give a little bit of it to somebody else? I just waste it anyway. Is there anybody in here say amen? You're sitting there looking like a pastor. I don't know what you blow yours on, but I save all mine, and I do this, and I do Yeah, right. Everybody in here, we're, we're, the, we're the biggest wasters in the world as Americans. Amen. Love you, Pastor Ben. I, I just so thank you for that. I'm glad you guys are saying that right now. It's so awesome. Um, what about money? David financed the temple. David uh, loved God. He, the Bible says that his heart was after God. And David loved God so much. And God said, well, you can't build a temple. You're not allowed to build the church, David. What, God? I want to build a church. Nope, you're not building one. You're a man of war. You've killed people. You ain't done it. If God says no, look at your neighbor and say, if God says no, it means no. Amen? Because you'll mess up. 
If you do things you want to do instead of what he tells you to do, even though it's a good thing, amen, don't do it. No means no. You've heard that all your life. No means no, and it means no with God too. It's awfully quiet in here. I hear the crickets, Ernie, what's going on? We talked a few months ago about Zacharias or Zacchaeus. He he was up in a tree and looked for Jesus. Jesus came walking by. And Jesus looked down and says, "Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, come down from the tree. I'm going to go eat with you today." Jesus didn't even have a house. Jesus was homeless. Jesus had to have fish spit out coins to pay his taxes. Jesus don't have anything. He looks at Zacchaeus, "Come down because today I'm going to eat your house." Amen, Greg. I'll be over about Tuesday. I'll come over and eat. Invite myself on over. Just have a big meal prepared for me. You know. Zacchaeus bought his lunch. Zacchaeus didn't say, no, you ain't coming over. Zacchaeus said, come on over, I'll buy your lunch. God's got this, homie. Amen? Amen. Here's the whole deal, Peter, 1 Peter 3.12, and we're done, unless they come. 1 Peter 3.12. I'm sorry I preached so long. I try to work on it, I just can't do no better. 1 Peter. Chapter 3, verse 12. If you're taking notes, it's a really good scripture. 1 Peter 3, 12. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. Listen to this. Listen. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. Somebody in right standing with God, his eyes are on you. His ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Kirby, you're going to be God today. Come on up here. You've always wanted to be God. Now you're God. You get to be God. So you're standing here. We're looking at each other. Hi, Kirby. I'm Ben. This is Kirby. Kirby went to the youth convention. She had a big fun time. But she's God. So now I, I, I love Kirby and come to youth group and talk to Kirby and encourage Kirby and thank God we got youth pastors that loves Kirby and Kirby opens up her house and lets youth pass out Halloween candy at her house. Kirby's a good dude. I know you're a woman, but you're a good dude. So as we've got a relationship, as long as we look at each other, we can be in a relationship, right? We can be, we know where each other's at. The Bible says that the eyes of the Lord are always upon me. Right? That are righteous. If I'm in right standing with you, I can look at you. But now, if I bark bit you all week and done this and done that and done evil things against Kirby, I can't look at you. I'm in bad relationship with you, so what I try to do is to try to hide and walk away, right? The Bible says that God's eyes are always on the righteous. If we're in right standing with God, we can stand there and look at Him eye to eye face to face we be in relationship with him but guess what it isn't God's eyes it isn't that he turns around and walks away from us see because a lot of people read that verse and say well God left me he walked away from me he never moved he's right there staring us in the face Ryan when we're not in relationship with him we're walking away from him it isn't that he left we left he can't hear us because our prayers are going the wrong way. He can't see us because we're in the wrong direction. 
But the Bible says to be in relationship or in right standings and have righteousness with God. Repentance. If we pray, if we repent, and when we repent, it means to turn around and go back the other way. We've been walking away from God. And all God's doing in this place today is saying, turn around, come back to me, and come back over to me because I want to be in relationship with you. I want to be your friend. Amen. He never moved. We did. You can be seated. Thank you. She was a good God, wasn't she? You was just God for a little bit, though. You can't be God forever. Won't you stand? everybody here just close your eyes and bow your head is there anybody here today to say pastor man this message just spoke to me the Holy Spirit's quickened my heart and he's telling me that I've walked away from him that he didn't walk away from me is everybody here to lift your hand and say that's me I've walked away from God and I want to turn around and walk back towards him amen there's hands everywhere I'm tired of walking away from him I'm tired of running from him today I'm making that decision I want to come back towards him because he's the one that sustains me. He's the one that keeps me. He supplies all my needs. Anybody else? Thank you for those hands. Hands everywhere in this room. Amen. Right relationship with God. Father, I thank you today for your message. Lord, your message of hope. Lord, your message of restoration. Lord, your message of trust for that deep abiding faith that you want all of us to have. And God, I know from heaven right now, you're sitting there looking down and you've got some jewels in this crowd. Lord, you've got some people in this crowd that you've got your eye upon, God, and you've been watching. And Lord, they've got some cares that's weighed them down, that their shoulders are burdened. And Lord, today you're telling them to cast your, their cares upon you because you care for them. And God, I pray for anybody that's hurting in this room. Lord, for ministry of the Holy Spirit to just lift that weight off of their shoulders. Lord, if there's people in this room that has a zero bank account, uh, bank account balance right now, God, I just pray the resources of heaven be released in their life. God, give them a good stewardship principles. Help them to overcome the obstacles that they're facing, God. Lord, you can do the great and mighty things that you declare in your word. God, for those that lifted their hand, Lord, I pray as they turn around and walk towards you, Lord, that today their relationship with you would be strengthened, renewed, refreshed. And God, as they walk to you, Lord, that they wouldn't feel any burden. Lord, that there wouldn't be any hindrance there to cause them to want to turn around and go back the other way and run from you. But Lord, they would run to you. And God, thank you for what you're doing at Bethesda. Help us to always be mindful of you, God. Help our church to be the church that you've called us to be. Lord, help us to resource those families this week for those that's going to be hurting this Thanksgiving. Lord, for the resources that you're going to help us to do three baskets. God, help us to do that in a great and mighty way. Equip us to do what you called us to do. Thank you for all your provision in our life. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody says, Amen.